Welcome. Welcome back to Studio Secrets A to Z. I'm your host, Anthony J. Resta, and we're jumping into part two of the JHS Pedals. Joshua Heath Scott, the founder, and he is here. And let's jump right back into where we left off talking about 80s electroharmonic stuff like the electroharmonics looper and the instant replay, etc. There's this weird crossover that's kind of hidden from most knowledge, which is Mike sold all that tech, and you kind of see some of it reappear within Akai as some of the first loopers. And the guy who designed it all, he's just brilliant. Um, he was the guy who designed, like, the small small stone and all kinds of stuff. But Wow. Yeah, there's just such a crazy story to this funky, weird last of the 80s electroharmonic stuff. I love it. And I met a guy uh, from Sweden who's a great producer. Um, his name is Roth. He's got this great channel. He has the most insane collection of orchestrons and mellotrons and all the crazy oh, custom wow. tape loops and stuff. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. And what he does with that instant replay thing, that he somehow triggers it from some ancient like CV sequencer thing from the same era and makes it do stuff that mine doesn't do and it drives me crazy. <laughs> what is his name? It's, it's, I'll send you the link to his um, yeah, yeah, Instagram channel. Yeah, his name I is Roth, and he's show. just a brilliant, smart guy. And we're going to do stuff together because we've been. He's visited my studio before, and we share the same love of like, what the heck is that? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love and to I, see what he does. Oh yeah, he, you'll love it. But he, I got to get him to try to. He tried to explain it to me a couple of times, and I'm not. You know, something to do with you. It's like an old Korg SQ something, and then you it sends pulses to the instant replay and makes it play a sequence at different pitches and, and it turns crazy. it into, yeah, it's, I just love that kind of junk. Anyway. Yeah. yeah get on it's to amazing. Another. Yeah. It's good. Endless stuff. Uh, how, how do you balance the need for being creative and being innovative with running a company? Like sometimes you have to make decisions that are like, tell, tell us about what that's like as a CEO of a, a, a company. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like juggling fire a little bit, you know, um, I, I would just say first, I just, it's, I just have such a good team. Like yep. JHS is, you know, has my initials, but it's really JHS is a group of people that are making stuff. It's a lot of creative people. Um, so, you know, you, you look at a product and it's easy for people to say, you know, Josh this or Josh that. And yeah, I mean, a lot of ideas, a lot of the action or whatever. But at the end of the day, it, it takes a team of people. And I know that goes without saying, but it, in today's world, it's worth really saying. I mean, we're, I consider us a highly collaborative company, um, even in how we manufacture. Like, you know, we, we, I don't make all the decisions. If I did, we would not be successful. And so to <laughs> me, it's, it's important to like, it's giving autonomy and trust to people and letting them create the best case scenario for their department or their situation or their problem. And then just trying to lead that well, like having good communication, having good openness, you know, being a leader, but at the same time, letting other people lead and not being intimidated by that. And I, I think that's hard. I know it's hard. Um, but I also, 
yeah, you know, I, I've learned what I'm good at, and I know for sure what I suck at, and so I try to take that category of I suck and, <laughs> and, and let people who are excited to do those things do it and let go of it. That's, um, that's amazing. I, yeah, I, I think it's important, like, in the creative space, like, so many creatives, maybe we're fed the whole line, we have to do it all or something, and or maybe we assume... I don't know. It's it's unrealistic. It's like, you know, most of us, if we're lucky, we're really good at two or three things and that's awesome. Yep. And then we're told we should do our taxes as well or something. It's like, oh, no, it's horrible. Like, like, like figure out, you got to have margin, you know, you have to have some margin in your life and you can't, if you're going to be a creative, it's a very wasteful career. Like, to create essentially means to make stuff and to make stuff means to break stuff and to break stuff means you're, you're not, everything's going to work and you got to have time. You got to have margin to explore. So for me, it's really been building a team and allowing a team to create with me and just trying to do what I'm good at and being honest about the stuff I'm not. And the same with my team, you know, and and teaching and trying to influence them in that way. Oh, you work with a lot of young, talented people, and it's, it's a it's. I can see the camaraderie, like even in the videos that you guys make on the yeah. JHS Pedal Show. It's like everybody seems to be having a good time, and it just and it seems genuine. It's like it's one of the things I love about what you do. So you have a probably a a, a cabinet or a drawer or a box somewhere of, of pedals that didn't make it to market. You know, they they get so oh, far in research so and development, many. right? So you, many, yeah. How many? Like, how many do you think? I mean, over fifteen years, it's like there's just a lot. I mean, there's probably thirty of things. Wow. You know, it's like maybe they come around. I, I've seen a couple like suddenly find their way back. You know, you just never know. You never know how stuff will go resurface. Like it might be, become yeah. back in in vogue, and you dig one out. It's hard because you. You can be so passionate about a thing. You can make the thing. And then as a creative, one of the spots you got to be honest with sometimes is, you know, my world's pretty weird. It's like I have to manufacture a thing as well. And then I got to make sure it sells. I do have that pressure, you know, like that I is can't. pressure. And so sometimes by the by the time you get around all the way on the the you know the rotation of a idea the the rounding the world of it you can get at the very end and go like this isn't for now it's not going to sell like this this is still really great i love the idea but if i put this out right now it's not going to connect and that's okay like that and doesn't make it a failure it just it just you just have it to sounds, read the room. It sounds like a gut instinct thing more than like you're not basing oh, yeah. it on. It, you, you, you know, it's like you had no idea that that this clan would do what it right. did. I mean, I couldn't. I it was like I mean, how, how many thousand? Like three thousand in two days or something crazy. Yeah, it, yeah, it, literally. It, I mean, that's like yeah. nobody does that. I mean, I I think that's just what an accomplishment, and it's it's just bringing like that fun to so many people like that and that's part of your philosophy like put i saw the, the is it your son that he was putting it together with yeah, you yeah, yeah i just love that i mean i've got five kids and i i love children and i i see that in in your uh just in your 
your world and it's 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 awesome. incredible fantastic um I got that PR company that's helping with this sent me some new questions. Um, how how did COVID nineteen affect you guys, um, and how how did the you adapt to the challenges it presented? I'm curious about that. Yeah, COVID nineteen was the hardest. I mean, I think a lot of people would say just some of the most challenging things to walk through with a business ever. I mean, on one hand, you we had are we going to be able to stay open? Uh, you know, point blank. Yeah, yeah. On another hand, we were selling stuff at a rate that was astronomically beyond what we were capable of in the very beginning. And then we adjusted to that. And I think, I think like any, you know, sometimes opportunity comes to to you as a creative or as a business not the way you thought it would and for us covid came as an opportunity it was either it was either like hey let's uh let's just be bummed out about some of these hardship things and kind of squirrel down and be a victim or like hey what what's going on here and how can we how can we completely forget what we thought we were going to do and do this and that's what we did as a company and we pivoted really big and we made different choices we we decided not to make several products and suddenly turned and made other products and we we dug more into the show than we had ever done and we doubled as a company we doubled sales and employees through the that's, pandemic that's amazing yeah that's... And i i look back on it man i'm and again it's such a team effort but it was hard. It was like risky. It was so much risk. It was so many uncertainties. But what I'm most proud of for us as a company is we just decided to go for it and to throw it all out on the table because it felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity to respond to, to a need, which is like people are scared. People don't know what's going on. And we're here and we're offering fun. You know, these are fun things. These are creative things to get your mind off the world. And I think we were able to respond. And yeah, I, I look back and a lot of it's like, wow, that was crazy. You know, how'd we pull that off? But we did. And it's just such a huge team effort across the board. Well, I'm glad it worked out for you guys. It was tough on us too. We, you know, I'd spent a couple of decades with, you know, people in a practice room like saying okay the kick drum pattern should be boom boom, sure. boom. <laughs> and then you slowly move away and it's suddenly you can't be around people and so we had to learn to collaborate long I distance imagine. yeah i can't imagine in making records yeah i mean obviously yeah. you adapt but it's like it's not the same as being is. in a room yeah yeah, yeah. You know? it's uh it was difficult i mean we're still kind of it kind of ended up being a separate business and like we still do a lot of remote fix and mix and recording projects with people around the world so in in a lot of ways we benefited in the long run but it was a, it was a tough tough time yeah I, I think a lot of every business had a different problem with the pandemic you know i i think it caused it caused everyone to not be able to do what they were doing and then from there you have to decide like what that means for your business yeah it is tricky really tricky well, I'm glad it worked out for you guys. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the show, the pedal show, because I'm I'm completely yeah. obsessed with it. Um, 
lately. Um, I just saw your thing. I'm really interested in the the series you're doing with Sweetwater on the history of guitar pedals starting from the very beginning. And I, and I see, I guess I'm a bit of a want to learn kind of geeky guy in a way. Cause I, I never thought about the fact that a banjo is so loud and that's why it was probably so popular at the time Uh in what we're talking like late 1800s. I think that's a great series. How, how long is that going to go on? I'm going to watch all those. Um, I, I need to, I'll probably, uh, I need to lay out that I, I went and I did the, the one that you saw that aired was, I jotted down some notes and I knew I would start there. I always start when people ask, tell me about the history of effects. You can't, to me, you can't start with effects. You have to think I have for my own conscience. I have to go, well, why did we get there? Like, you know, that's more interesting. I do think. I could see about 10 episodes of that. It's a lot. I, I it, think it could be a book, too. I think it's uh, you should definitely it, note, keep it all together in one place. Cause... It, it's coming from a book I'm writing. I mean, okay. it, it's... Oh, wonderful. That's what, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's stuff that I've gradually touched on and tried to deal with for a while. And kind of... For me, I'm a verbal... I learn if I just keep processing and talking or teaching. And so... I kind of just went ahead and dedicated like, hey, because I'm really into this, into the nitty gritty of getting this book done, I'm going to actually talk back through it all again. So, yeah, that's that's exactly. I, I think with that, with that and the pedal show, I think your enthusiasm is contagious. And I think that's a big part of the success of, of that. It's like you, it, cool. you're, you're it's contagious. You know, it really is. I, I'm 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 looking forward to watching all of those and um I, I i'd like to you know talk about some of the early pedal designs like i i've i, I love the maestro the gibson buzz um you know yeah. the early the, yeah, the yeah. one with the, the ratty little cable and then i have yeah. like three different ones from the different eras and i've it, i've used it a lot in record productions over the years and it sounds like a horn sometimes um the earliest yeah. one um t- tell us about that have you ever uh made one of the early like the very first gibson um Maestro. Yeah, the, the Maestro FZ1. Yeah. Is I have it? never replicated it. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's yeah. technically, that is the first guitar pedal. Yeah. It's not the first effect, but yeah. when it comes to how we view a guitar pedal, that's it. That's the first one. It was released in 1962 by Maestro, who was a part of Gibson. And then uh, it was invented about a year earlier by two guys in Nashville. Yep. Wow. I just love that pedal still. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it came from a studio accident. There's a track you can listen to. uh, There's a song by Marty Robbins called Don't Worry. Okay. And basically, when you listen to the track, it's going to sound like a a kind of a country singer crooner kind of vibe, you know, piano led little pop tune, country pop tune. And then all of a sudden you hear a very distorted bass Okay. What it is, is it's a guy named Grady Martin, and he's playing a tic-tac den electro baritone bass. They oh, would wow. overdub. They created those guitars to simply overdub the upright because it had no attack. So more definition. would give it the attack. And a lot of those early records, especially Nashville, you're hearing two basses usually. But it kind of malfunctions. And when you listen to Don't Worry, you hear what's considered... There's some predated forms of distortion and fuzz, but this is the first ever 
track with all out fuzz that's a massive hit and uh. it happened because the console transformer malfunctioned on that channel and so nancy sinatra and others they hear the song and they're like this is awesome i want the sound of my record right you know it's like if you record a record with something fun and nobody knows how to do it they want to know how to do it it's like it's the reason we buy new pedals you hear a sound and you want the sound well like nancy sinatra she's wanting out on the record but they'd already fixed it they fixed the transformer and so the engineer was a guy named glenn snotty and he got with a friend from a local radio station a, a basic circuit engineer a radio engineer and his name was revis hobbs and they co-invented revis designed the circuit and uh glenn kind of was the marketing idea brain and they sold that to gibson so that whole thing is an accident you know the first the first pedal ever was an accident. That's such much. a great story. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. going to go listen to that track after the podcast. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's don't amazing. Worry. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. And you'll, as an engineer, you'll listen to it. And it's really fascinating. It was troublesome to me because I've done a lot of research on this. It's part of the book I'm writing. I was always troubled with like, did they not hear this? Because you're going to hear the track. <laughs> and, and I knew they were like, I've I've done enough studio work and stuff. I knew they were recording to probably a four track tape. Yep. They were in a round. I, I knew the room. I'm familiar with what the studio looked like. You can look at pictures. It's it's not a mystery. And I was like, but how did they not hear what you hear? How was it an accident? And so I actually was able to interview Revis's son. Oh my and gosh. Kind of got the story. Yeah. So there's like it's just really fascinating because the playback was only heard they were monitoring through a little clean fender amp next to the player i see so you know they're not hearing the transformer in playback and so they go back and they listen to the playback and it's blown out it's a wild thing so when when you listen to it it's wild because it's a live recording yeah. and you're like why did because i always tried to picture I know Marty Robbins is standing at a microphone. I know if he'd heard that, they would have stopped the take. Yeah. Like, you know, there's just some common sense. It's such a radical sound. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And then it becomes uh, a trend, you know, and then like, yeah, I guess the Keith trend. Richards with satisfaction board is probably not too far along after that. No, he, he bought that pedal and 1965, he, you know, the legend, uh, which seems to uphold so far is the Rolling Stones were just place holding a trumpet part, the Da, 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 da. That yeah, was a yeah. trumpet part. Da, 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 da. Put it on as a placeholder, and the manager released it as was, and kind of horrified them. They didn't. They felt it was like really aggressive and heavy. That's amazing. And that started that started the fuzz boom, 1965. Wow, that that it's funny that I still yeah I'm attracted to that kind of sound. I mean, when Beck used it on uh, Old Pollution or World Pollution. Oh or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just it's always a cool cool thing i i really got into the early maestro stuff um even as a teenager i had a you know the the octave divider you know oh, like, yeah and, and uh yeah. there was another one i have a I, I still have them the original maestro wah you know it's a the great wah. wah i i just love that the boomerang or something like that. yeah yeah I, I really got into that technology and then a few years ago i stumbled across a uss one it's the great yes. big tom oberheim oh, yeah. it's behind me on the floor here yeah, and it, it's all working except the some couple of the sliders broke off, and I've talked to everybody in the universe about these sliders. I mean, like, and nobody knows where or how or if they're even possible to replace. If if you could keep that in the back of your mind for me, that would be amazing, because okay. it's the USS yeah. one sliders, and my yeah. couple of mine. I had a, a Sherman filter bank sitting on top of it, and it fell off. And snapped a couple of the faders, which just really sucks, you know. But now uh, I can, I can, I can do it with tweezers. I can go in there and change the sound. But yeah, yeah. it's just, just annoying. Um, but anyway, I love the Maestro stuff. Tom Oberheim was, I think, a part of that, right? Um, yeah, the first Maestro pedals are a lot of there are a lot of Tom Oberheim designs. You can find a lot of the series in a matching Oberheim case, where he's I see. he's making them under his name too. So yeah, he's a, he's one of the few actual geniuses. I mean, that I've encountered in study. It's like Tom Oberheim is just just his ideas were so important to guitar because he came not from the guitar world. I think there's there's something really interesting about the greatest inventions in a field. They have to be from people who cross pollinate out of the field. And so when you when you look at stuff like guitar effects, the greatest effects designers, they didn't they didn't want to become guitar effects designers. They were doing something else. Um, and there's something about like, you know, we're not in a vacuum, so to speak. Like your best ideas aren't you. Do, you don't want guitar makers making amps. They tried early on and they sucked. And it took a radio guy, Fender, to make the right amp. So you have the same thing, and Oberheim's a part of that in the '70s for pedals. I just love that era. I, I used to—I um, never owned one, but I used to rent a Muton Biphase a lot. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. There's there's something about that. Um, They're amazing. Yeah. That circuit now is that is that an Oberheim circuit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you study like to 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 learn about that? You said you he influenced you. Where where would you find out like stuff like that? Like, do you just have like, to tear it apart and look at it, or do you... uh, yeah the circuit? Yeah, I think you. There's there's some good. There's a couple of really great websites. I, I can't recall the addresses, but okay. I've read because he's done good interviews. Um, he's still alive as well. He lives in Kansas. Wow, like that's he's a uh, yeah he. You know, there's good info. I mean, they made a lot of those units. People understood that they were really cool immediately. And so there's a, there's some stuff out there. That would be a tough project, right? A neutron yeah. biphase? Oh, yeah. Any Why is it so big? Would it have to be that big today? No, no. You could shrink any of that down. For the most part, yeah. Do you have any I favorite? I think it's funny, though, because the neutron stuff, it, it something about... Some of the beauty of the Mutron is how big it is. There's something <laughs> about it which feels, it almost feels like an unpardonable sin to shrink some of it down. And, yeah. I don't know. No, in yeah. the Brady Bunch colors, I mean. I oh, think... yeah. It's like, it feels like IBM and NASA and the Brady Bunch. And, <laughs> yeah, it's just like a really cool aesthetic. Um, do you have any upcoming um, projects um or initiatives that JHS Pedals is currently considering or working on that you might talk about? Since we already kind of got up, up yeah, to date we, with the client. I mean, there, there's always, there's always pedals and it's in this state, kind of the post COVID world we're, and in a weird economy, we're in a weird economy, you know, it's pretty For obvious, sure. it's bizarre. I, you know, we're holding stuff a little tighter in the sense of we're kind of making decisions a few months out on what we have a lot of stuff ready yep. and then we have to make a dedicated yes. And that's where you start paying some bills to make a thing. And so yep. we're doing that different. We used to do it. where like, I could predict a release schedule. Hey, in 12 months we'll do this. And it, it pretty much land. Now it's more like, here's the pot of stuff. What's the temperature today? And let's put this out in three months. That's kind of, so I actually don't know exactly what we're doing next, but it's one of several things that are done. As far as, the, as that's like pedals, you know, I, I'm working on writing projects and, and things of that sort. And just continuing to like, you know, the show is in an interesting state of like, there's a real need for us to kind of reinvent it somewhat, like the function, how we do it, you know, and, and like to stay excited about it. And, and that's been really fun. And Nick's doing a great job with that. And absolutely yeah, just continue, continuing to continuing in everything we do to make sure we like what we're doing. I think that's, that's the trick. That's the, that's the, that's the artist trap, right? You know, it's like the one hit wonder and you keep trying to re-record it. Sure. So and people expect, like, okay, you're not, yeah, what's going to be your next big victory? You know, it's pressure. You know, in a lot of ways, it's you yeah. know. Um, I yeah, love I'd the... rather be happy and not have and not have smash hits. But I, I think that when you're happy, you have a much better chance of stumbling into something else. You know. I loved your um your vulture, the thing that changes yeah. the voltage of fuzzes. Yeah. I use that on a, a, this um this old uh, tone bender, and it's just amazing. That's awesome. I, I don't think anybody has done that besides you have they 
there's got to be some old DIY-ish or like somebody's made something like that. But I, but I doubt no one of our size has made something that's like available. It's I'm surprised. It's a really, really awesome thing. And I, I, um, I've shown it to a few people and everybody loves it. I had another funny story I wanted to share with you. I know we're getting down to the end here, but um, yeah, right. I had um, I it was around 19, I'm going to say 94, 95, somewhere around there. Somehow. I got in touch. I, I somebody put me in touch with Pete Cornish, and I, do you know Pete Cornish? He built stuff for yeah. Gilmore, oh, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, and I didn't really know who he was. And um, this this he's th- a legend, yeah. Yeah, I mean, now I know who he is, and I guess he's been making these pedals in his in the kitchen with his wife since the '60s or something. And mm-hmm. I had no idea who I was talking to, and this salesman that sold his products, like you know. In the as a rep in the U.S. had put me in touch with him, yeah, because I was interested in, in in having him. He said, "This is the guy. He builds stuff for Gilmore. You you gotta, you you gotta, you know, get in touch with him." So he, I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I love fuzz. I have a bunch of different fuzzes, but I'm looking for something like really different. You know, something really different." And he says, "Well, I'll, I'll build you something." He says, "I'm going to send you, um, uh, I'll send you something that I'm working on, and if you like it, I, I'll I'll make one for you." And he sent me this big black box with a blue light on it and that, and all it had, it it had three knobs and it said Paul McCartney Jubilee on the side. Like he, like it was like, so I said, you sent me Paul McCartney's pedal. He's like, yeah, I'll definitely be needing it back. (laughs) I'm saying this, this unit, this one. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I was like, I was blown away that a guy would send us practically nearly a stranger this pedal. Yeah. And I flipped out over the sound. I just loved it. And, um, and I said, I want one, you know, I had no idea what I was asking for. And then finally the salesman guy told me that it was like $1,500. And I'm like, oh shit, I can't, I'm going to look like an idiot if I don't buy this, you know, now after going through all this. And it was like, I wasn't, you know, I was making records and I was doing okay, but I, you know, that was at that time, that was like $3,000 now. And I'm like, I'm like, shit. And he's like, well, it'll be the only one. It'll be an Anthony J. Rest of Fuzz. You'll have the only one. I'm like. All right, so I I I couldn't not do it now, you know, so yeah, I, you I to. <laughs> yeah, or I'd look like a chump. So it comes in the mail, and and I look, and I open it up, and I'm excited, and it's gray, and it has an orange light. <laughs> it's a, it's the same, you know, it's coming. So it's the same pedal, and uh, it sounds amazing. I love it, and then I talk to Pete, and he says, "What do you think? What do you think?" I go. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's, it's great. You know, I said, but the black one with the blue light and he goes, Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> uh, I think it was the like last it, time yeah. he ever talked to me, but I still, I have an Anthony J rest of fuzz. The only one. So it's kind of cool. Isn't that great? That's a great story. I am. Um, I was supposed to meet with him. Uh, this is pre pandemic. I was just going to sit down and, like buy him a coffee and ask him some questions. Cause he, I kind of credit him for inventing what we consider like the modern pedal board. And then a lot of his work with, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah. And he worked at, he worked at the original, one of the most prestigious guitar shops in London at the time. Uh, just like sound city. He's just a very interesting guy. And I had Nick and I were over there doing other stuff and I had it on my calendar to go meet him and I get a message, hey, I can't meet up. I have to make Paul McCartney some direct boxes. 
Oh, that's that's where, perfect. That's where my uh, that's where my Pete Cornish story ends. Don't give up. He sounds like somebody that you should yeah. be sitting down with. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple. I have a couple units. I have a distortion and a fuzz, and I've played all. Like I've played. John Mayer has quite a few. Uh, he has a shelf full of stuff. I've played all that stuff. And I like the NG. That's the one that yeah. supposedly was built. I have that one. It's yep. supposed to be. He said it was to to sound like an amp that was about to blow up or something. About to die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and, eventually yeah. I'm hoping I can at least sit down and just talk to him. I'd love to. He holds a couple of really cool answers that he does not think are important, but they are. And so I, he's on my list. Yeah. I heard he has a really incredible tape echo. That's really. really yeah, he does. Really, uh, Everything I, he makes is really great. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love but him I'd and his love... wife. They're, they build everything, like Amazing. in their in their home. Yeah. I I'd, I'd love uh, I love tape echoes. I have I have a, a matchless, you know, one of those really rare chrome matchless yeah. ones, and and I've got one of my favorites is right behind me on the floor here. It's uh, it's the chorus. I have a bunch of tape echoes. I'll sell you. Oh yeah, I'm tape cool. echo poor. Yeah, I have like EP twos and threes, and I have a one. I have I and I never use them. Yeah, I like the so, um, a friend of mine just got me a tube uh, early tube one, but it needs a head stack. So I don't know. Yeah, where I have a one that works really great. Oh, that's so cool! But the, yeah, the one that my favorite is the uh, the chorus echo. The the big it's the um, rolling one with orange, and it's got yep. it's like four yeah. four uh, four rack spaces. And, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Super cool. Well, I'll see if there's any other questions I got here, and we'll. Um, what inspiring uh, entrepreneurs looking to enter, you know, the the pedal business or like start or some of these guys that make you know they're just starting out? Like, um, is there any advice you would like to hand off to some of these people that are just starting out? You know, the joke answer is like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You don't want to. But do that, you though. know who. who who am I to say that? I, I, I think there's this inevitable, like as much as I am a creative and love creativity and encouraging creatives, there's also a reality that like the pedal market is really flooded in a lot of ways. That doesn't mean necessarily don't do it. It just means, you know, be my advice is yeah jump in but make sure above all things that you're yourself don't try to be anyone else be yourself because that that is really the only way to stand out is to be truly unique you need to be yourself there's only there's only one you there's only one me and if you come into the market and try to do what others are doing or say what they're saying you know try to be their company you're the world's missing out on you. And so I would say just whatever you're doing, truly be okay with yourself. Be okay, warts and all, weirdness, nerd nerdiness, dorkiness, whatever it is. Be yourself. And I think that's the route to success in this kind of industry. There's so sure. many people following recipes that are supposed to work, but the recipes don't work unless Unless, you know, if, if you're not yourself, it's very apparent. And so I think in this world of just the world we live in, instant everything, social media, everything, like people are really dying inside for like authenticity. Yep. So despite despite insecurities or whatever you may feel, you know, be yourself. That's my advice. It's a it's it's a lot of 
to do with storytelling too because and that's where the authenticity comes from is being just being yourself and being sincere that's really wonderful advice um i had uh, the the very last thing i was going to ask you is how much does um customer feedback play in 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 the way you think about changing or modifying or like have, have you ever like you know i'm just curious if like well how does that go do you ever get any kind of like feedback that's like painful or great you know yeah we get we get we get a lot of crazy emails that are like you're trying to wonder like are they on acid (laughs) and then and then you get you get a lot of we get a lot of really wonderful like especially with this show you know people all kinds of stuff you know people medical conditions and like it's really helps them through the day or like just we have people you know their marriage counselor makes them watch our show because they can relate it's like crazy you get all kinds of crazy stuff yeah and that's that's awesome as far as like the classic like customer feedback like hey would you tweak this would you consider doing this for this thing or, or changing your circuit i it's it's kind of an interesting thing i i've never we've never really been that company um we really pride ourselves on customer service. Um, like, I feel like we have some of the best customer service in the industry as far as like standing behind our products, taking care of people, you know, really making sure that you understand we're honored that you bought our product, being very humble. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, we haven't ever been the company that's like going to chase down every suggestion. I, I think we're in a funny way, kind of like, I can't think of a positive. I want to say like we're selfish, but that's not the word. It's like we really, we really make the stuff we want to play and we hope people like it. You know, we haven't ever necessarily gone crowdsourcing for ideas because I think we have so many ideas, you know, that anything you've ever seen us do is just stuff that we want to do. Yeah. And so in that sense, we're a little selfish, you know, and I think that's it selfish isn't the right word but you know what i'm saying it's like no that's cool but i think that's that's i think that's why in some weird way people actually enjoy it it's because i think it is sincere you know in a world of people trying to just grab your money we really do what we find fun and if you if you find it fun that means you're naturally on board with us and if you don't like what we do there's so many great companies and i think that's our posture that's cool um, I you mentioned John Mayer earlier. Um, do, do you have an association with John at this point? Like, do you guys? Uh, yeah, we, you know, we chatted and he buys stuff, make him stuff all the time here and there. And, you know, been, been fortunate to go hang out several rehearsals and like play with the guitar rigs. And that's super cool. He's a really, I, really sweet guy. I have a, a history with, um, John and he, he, he could back this up. Um, I haven't talked to him in years. We've had a couple of little things over the years, but like, when I was producing Sean Mullen's album, um, Beneath the Velvet yeah. Sun, he was about, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. He was just, in, we were in Atlanta, and he was just this kid, yeah. just, just hanging out all the time. And he was always around, and uh, Glenn Matula was, had done a lot of demos for him. And I, and I knew he was incredibly talented, and he was a teenager. And um, we were doing strings for uh, a thing, and uh, I met uh, Lee Denae. From uh, who was Donnie Einer's uh, right hand person at uh, Columbia at that time, 
And I told her about this kid. He's this phenomenal guitar player. And she says, oh, oh cool. So, you know, we made an, uh, an arrangement, and, like, she, he ended up going to her office. And the next time I saw her, she said, yeah, he said that he's the next Stevie Ray Vaughan, and he'll never write a pop song. Boy, what an obnoxious dude. <laughs> And uh, but like the rest is history. I mean, and now I'm my hats off to him for like all his innovation, all his incredible songwriting, and just one of the greatest guitar players. Yeah, my favorite thing about that statement is is no, you know, we're not like best friends. We we talk a good bit, and he's been very kind to me, and and we communicate. We we know each other decently. Yeah, I would say he would laugh at that and yeah. make fun of his comment. He's yeah, oh, I like, know. It's all these years later. It's, I mean, it's amazing how you feel when you're young, but then you then you kind of like meet yourself as you keep going. For me, it's like I was Mister Big Big Shot when I was working with Elton John and Collective Soul and doing all these big yeah. records, and like I was like too important to to work with this young kid at the time. And that that was what probably, Collective Soul record did you work? On? I worked on every record from Dosage on. Um, I started ah, with them. I, on, yeah, I, I know start, those guys well. I. I owe them a lot. A lot of my guitar playing has some strange collective soulness in it. Oh, man. Like dosage, and those records are really important to me. Me uh, too. Yeah. That's where I started. I mean, like, you know, songs like uh, Crown, you know, you know, that whole Pink Floyd vibe, that, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that comes from me because, I, you know, they had really not made music. Really? Like, yeah, they had that's not really cool. made. Cool. Yeah. I just had a crew here. There, there's an incredible movie being made about them. And I saw the trailer and I cried. It was, I mean, these That's some of these. So these, exciting. Yeah, the, the these guys were uh, they were, they had something to do with the the, the uh, my studios in Laurel Canyon and, and they had something to do with that okay. movie about Laurel Canyon. These guys were top yeah. end filmmakers, and yeah. the the footage they showed me, like I, I got teary. It was just incredible. So anyway, there's a movie coming out uh, about them, and I'm going to be in the movie. So I'm I guess me and Matt Serletic are the only two producers that are going to be in it. That's um, so cool. So yeah, they interviewed me for hours and like did, we talked and told stories. I have so many stories. Yeah, I worked on, oh God, I, it's got to be f between forty and fifty songs with them over the years. So wow. good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. One of my first CDs was the first record, and then I remember getting the second record, which they kind of did in their living room, and I was like, "This is really good." And oh, then, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, hints and allegations. Yeah, like dos dosage and blender. The the guitar stuff. There's something so, there's no other records on the earth that have, I don't know what it is. There, there's like a weirdness to the guitars that kind of permeate like dosage and blender for me. I've just, no one's ever done anything like that. For yeah, I, I think really. being around Ed definitely, you know, he's a genius. I mean, songwriter and guitarist yeah. and, and Ross was amazing too, but. Yeah. Some like the gear they had like I mean Ed used to have this big this white uh Les Paul but it's really an SG yeah. you know those that's yeah. like a that's that that is a certain sound those PAFs you know it's like um mm -hmm. and we would record those um Vox amps really loud like in a in an electrical closet there's so many things we yeah. did but some of the guitars on those those two albums funny enough do you know the little blue Pandora it's 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 a Pandora oh, chord. Yeah. Cor it's oh, yeah. the the blue one. Yes, a lot of those extra layers of sounds. Were, I love we, it. We were totally like into that thing at that time, and you can hear it That's now. That's cool. All right, that <laughs> I, that makes me. I'm going to do an episode on that box now. I, yeah, because I have one. Yeah, I just there's there's these weird 
you know, there's like records that you run across as you grow up as a musician. And like a lot of times, and this happens to a lot of people, it's like, they're not necessarily like Joshua Tree or something. It's like, yeah. it's these records that kind of change you. And and then you talk to people about them and they've never even heard them. And it's like, those two for me are big. Well, that's, I mean, I, I remember, I remember hearing them and going, I don't know what the crap I'm hearing. There's such a mystery to the guitars that I was really fascinated with like textures and like ambience that I'd never heard, like weird octavy, you know, it was like, it was like experimental government guitar that you have no idea how much this means to me because you know i was those those are the two records i was probably the the most involved in and we did a lot of i literally and i and i've said it i mean there's other places where i mentioned those records but they're just like they're just these weird benchmarks and like how i how i heard the guitar do something it wasn't supposed to do and i was like wow that just you just made my whole day you know um there's there's a That's couple cool. of weird boxes I was using back then. Do you remember the thing called the Lexicon Vortex? No. Okay. You're gonna send me down the spiral <laughs> here. You need to tell, you need to tell me everything you used on those records. Oh, I will. I'll tell you. We'll we'll we'll, we'll hang yeah. out again. We'll do this again. And uh, I'd yeah, love yeah. to have you back. And uh, yeah, we we could we could definitely talk about it. the Lexicon I'm Vortex. Pull out that cord. I'm gonna pull out that Korg unit. That's so cool, awesome. man. Uh, I used a lot of uh, Mellotron stuff back then too, like even Mellotron guitar. Yeah. I would use like Mellotron guitar through pedals, and it's like it's like the worst guitar sound you've ever heard when you start, and then it turns into something. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great cool, man. man. Yeah, I'll tell Ed that when we talk. I got to get you two in touch because he needs to talk yeah. to you. Yeah, I'll Ed, put you in touch. Ed'll, Ed'll remember me. We've we've hung out a good bit, but it's been it's been a while. I, I actually I. I, I met up with them here at a show and I ended up watching like an entire NBA playoff game in the green room with him eating like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, he's sandwiches. the best. It's like a very, very and surreal thing for me. He's and Dean, uh, his brother was, has, that like, yeah. yeah, that's Dean. Dean is brother is his brother. And Dean has an yeah. incredible band called magnets and ghosts. You got to check out those records. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we okay. did. Um, we, we, I worked on a couple of those as well. So yeah, I, I just love those guys. They're like family to me. Amazing. And we'll, we'll, we'll get more into this another time. And it's been wonderful having you. I'm, I've been waiting for this day. It was, means a lot to me. And, uh, thank you so much for being awesome. here. You know, we'll be in touch and thanks for uh, helping with this technology that enabled us to do this in a new way today. Yeah. Well. No problem at all. This has been fun. Well, all right, man. All right. Take care. Josh. Take care. Bye. That concludes part two of our interview with Joshua Heath Scott of JHS Pedals. That was just an amazing time. And uh, wow, what a highlight for me to have him actually like a couple of records I worked on because I just, I'm such a huge fan of JHS and the pedal show and all that. This has been great. Anyway, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, follow us everywhere, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. We're going to start posting videos of these podcasts on my youtube channel studio secrets a to z take care guys thanks for coming
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 